Hi, I'm Amanda and welcome to Self. On this podcast, I share ideas, experiences and have conversations to explore the self. By developing our own self-awareness, we can better show up for ourselves and those around us and hopefully all live happier and healthier lives. On today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with you my experience in my first competition ever in anything and some of my learnings and takeaways from it all. I'll start with a little bit of context about a freediving competition, just in case if most of you actually don't know anything about freediving, which is totally fine. So if you've watched a couple of the documentaries or movies and stuff, you might know a little bit, but essentially in a freediving competition, you've got two main categories. One is depth competition. One is a pool competition. Depth, it's pretty obvious you are diving to a particular depth. And in the pool, we have two different kinds. We have a distance, which is done by using a monofin, bifins or no fins. And then we also have a static competition where you're holding your breath face down in the water, doing nothing. And you think doing nothing isn't hard, but that is absolutely, in my view, the most challenging of all the disciplines in freediving. So a couple of months ago, I was made aware of a upcoming competition in Brisbane. And since I'm currently based in Port Douglas, I was like, oh, maybe this is a good way for me to, you know, get my toes wet and start competing. It's something that I've wanted to do for a little while, but have been apprehensive about. When I started thinking about the competition, a few things came up for me. The first thing was thinking, well, I need to be able to achieve X before I can compete. And that's something that has been in my mind for the last couple of years is like, it's not worth competing if I'm such a shallow diver, or it's not worth competing if I can't actually do this much. It feels like a bit of a sham or something I guess because I've been (laughs) surrounded by quite a lot of deeper divers and very experienced divers so comparing myself to other people I thought well it's not worth it for me to start that way Um, I also had this plan of joining a depth competition that gave out really good prizes for newcomers and just thought I should make that my first competition because maybe I've got a high chance of winning stuff. But anyway, when I heard about this competition in Brisbane, I was pretty excited because I was thinking this is a great way for me to find out how I perform under pressure. And like I said, I'd had these, you know, thoughts of, well, maybe I'm not good enough to compete, but I shifted my mind and started thinking, well, what's really the purpose of this comp? I know I'm not going to win and that's totally fine. The purpose wasn't to go out and to win. The purpose is to explore how I feel, how I navigate a competition environment, what comes up for me, whether I can dive when I'm super nervous, whether I'm even going to be that nervous. I just had no idea because I grew up studying. I didn't grow up playing sports. I didn't grow up in a competition type environment that was healthy. Like the, I I would have said that I 
was quite a competitive person, but that was more so because I felt the need to be the best because of my family pressure. So the competitiveness wasn't even necessarily competing with other people. It's just like be perfect or die kind of thing. And so I didn't have much outside of, say, a school sports carnival. I didn't have an opportunity to explore this competitive environment, which can come with actually a big sense of support and stuff. So I told my friend that I would join the comp and I started getting really excited about it. And in that time, I could feel myself going to a couple of different mindsets. On the one hand, it was almost like preparing myself for failure and going, well, if I just don't, you know, put too much emphasis on training or anything, essentially, if I don't try, then maybe it'll be okay to fail or to, you know, not do as well. So it was almost preempting myself not succeeding and then trying to justify it by being a bit lazy towards training or something. And the other thing, I guess, where that's rooted in is just coming back to that fear of failure. I think what I was afraid of is if I try really hard and I don't do well, um, then that would really suck. And that was just something I realised and acknowledged. And I was like, well, do you want to be someone who tries their best or do you want to be someone who doesn't and then not find out kind of what you're really made of? So there was an active decision to go, no, well, I do want to try. And I'm, I don't have time to really dedicate myself to completely training properly, but I did make time to do some bigger swims uh, at the pool so that I could make sure I was feeling confident and good about myself. And something I incorporated during my dive was some mantras while I'm underwater. So if you're not someone who has partaken in any freediving fun, when you hold your breath, your mind kind of starts to spin out a little bit. It's like, what are you doing? You need to breathe. And there's a lot of negative thinking that can come into the mind. And so in my training, something that I started very consciously doing was giving myself a lot of positive encouragement throughout all my diving all the time. It was this balance of reminding myself to relax, that I was safe and that I've got this, that I've got the ability to do this, that I'm well within my capabilities because I always was. And I made sure that every time I was in the pool in training, I wasn't kind of pushing myself to a point of failure. That was important for me because I've got a lot of different, you know, water stuff. If you listen to the panic attack in the water episode, then you'll know a bit about that. Um, so I wanted to keep posit like reinforcing this positive loop. So I have like different mantras when I'm underwater and one of them was like, I am the blue rocket because I wear this blue wetsuit. And just before the comp, I think about a couple of weeks before that, I was 
feeling super fatigued and lethargic. I was on my period. I think it was the second day. So feeling bloated and heavy. And I decided to jump in the pool and do a hundred meter swim with bifins. So that's obviously on breath hold underneath. And I, what I told myself is if I know that I can do, you know, a couple of my warm ups and then do this hundred and a turn at the wall, then I will have the confidence in myself. I know that I can tell myself then no matter how I'm feeling on the day, that's really the minimum benchmark. And I've trained up until this point. So I knew that I was very capable of it. And so that's what I did. And the swim felt great, even though I wasn't feeling all that crash hot. It was a good dive and it allowed me to feel prepared within myself. And that was important. You know, I think often we approach a lot of things with this fear of all of this unknown and I could have looked at the competition as like, oh, but I don't know, I don't know. But the truth is the time that I had invested in the pool meant that I did know. Even if that fear existed of failing, of not being able to do it, the truth is I'd prepared for it all. And that was all I needed to truly know. The truth, different to the insecurities and the different fears coming up, the truth was and is that even on my worst day, I have a hundred meters and a turn in me. And that gave me a great sense of confidence. So I flew to Brisbane and went to the pool to check it out. Um, I was doing, there were, it was a two day competition. So the first day you could do a dynamic discipline, which means you could pick between monofin, bifins or no fins. I chose bifins and then the second day was the static breath hold that I told you about earlier. Now, statics are my, I don't want to say my nemesis, that sounds harsh, but definitely not my best friend. Statics and I are acquainted, but we are not all that familiar and I find them quite challenging. They've gotten better as I have more control about my wandering and very loud, crazy mind. Uh, but they are challenging, you know, just holding your breath and kind of being there still with yourself and trying to relax through that is hard. So I um, went with my friend Geordie to the pool and she was fantastic in coaching me through the dives. And then it came to towards a competition and I remember two days before the comp, I was feeling really nervous I was this mixture of excited and a bundle of nerves just because I guess I didn't know what to expect of myself. I started um, doubting myself a little bit more again and I just had to come back to that assurance I had in, hey, on any day, on your worst day, you've got a hundred and a turn in you. It's okay. And having to soothe myself to be there to support myself was super valuable you know I have been someone who for so much of my life I needed validation externally from others like I needed others to tell me that I would be okay but this was really a time for me to come through for myself 
that when I was like sitting there with those nerves, of course, as much as like other people were telling me I'd do great as well. Honestly, the thing that mattered most was that I knew in my heart that I was going to give it my best shot and that I was going to enjoy my dives. And that was the goal, you know, it was to go along to this competition to see how nerves would impact my freediving and to just have fun, to enjoy the dives, to come up really clean and to get white cards. So a little bit of context there is in a freediving comp, you come up for, for this organisation, Ada, for this competition, when you surface, you have 15 seconds to remove any facial equipment then give the okay sign and say the words, I'm okay. And it has to be done in that order. Following that, you then have to keep your chin, your head, your airways, sorry, out of the water for another 15 seconds. And if that's all good, then you get a white card. If you um, turn early, like if you have an announced performance and you do less than your announced performance, but you have a clean dive, then you get a yellow card and then it, you get disqualified if you're like assisted by the safety team. If you black out or have a hypoxic event underwater, for example, and safety need to intervene or you mess up your surface protocol, then you get a red card. So yeah, my goal was two white cards in both events and just have fun. So competition day comes around and uh, getting my start times, which were after midday, the thing I was most nervous about was actually being really hungry. (laughs) No surprises there. And I get to the pool, do registration, and I can feel this mixture of like kind of excitement. You feel some of the nerves as well. And... I just kept coming back to the fact that it's like, it's just another dive. It's something that I've done before. I've prepared for this and I'm capable. I get in the water on this first day and it's my bifins dive that I start with. And uh, I do a new, actually, before I say that, I remember after my warm-ups going over into the lane and, and preparing before my dive, my heart rate was pretty high. So in freediving, we want to keep our heart rate low because it consumes less oxygen. So you want to be calm and relaxed. You don't want the adrenaline of a comp environment that traditionally you might embrace in other sports. So I stood there focusing on my breathing and that allowed me to be present. You know, all these things that I talk about, I genuinely try to practice as much as possible. I closed my eyes and focused on nasal breathing and just brought everything back to that moment where I was feeling the water on my hands, on my feet, feeling my bifins and just going, this is another dive. Um. And yeah, they, we get a countdown because you have to start on time. So I got the countdown and I remember listening to the countdown and feeling my heart rate kind of start to increase again. And when I started my dive, I could feel my heart beating faster and stronger than usual. And I was diving a little bit faster. So I told myself to calm myself, to relax a little bit more, to just focus 
on that first stage of the dive, which is that first 50 metres, get to the wall and turn. And so I broke up this dive so that there wasn't all this pressure of like having to complete all of these things. It was just let's take one step at a time. And that's kind of my approach to life generally. It's just one thing at a time. We might see where the end goal is. We might see the full picture, but we don't have to come running at it, looking straight at it. You know, I think that that can be overwhelming sometimes. And so the first thing is just to go, where is that first marker I need to make it to? Like, where is that first checkpoint? And let's get there and then check in and then we can keep going to the next one. So my first checkpoint was the 50 metre wall. So I get to 50, I do a turn and I'm feeling great. I'm like, this is an easy dive. I know I'm diving a little bit faster and that's okay. Let's just focus on relaxing, keeping a good pace, steady rhythm. And that's what I did. And I was like, okay, the next checkpoint is the 100 metre wall. And I get there and my, the game plan for this dive was I'd get to a hundred turn. And if I was feeling terrible, then I could turn and then just come up because I know, you know what I said to you on the worst day I can do a hundred and a turn. But if I was feeling good and I could explore for a bit more, then just go for a little bit longer, count to 10 And if I was feeling good, go a little bit further. But I did tell Geordie that I was going to come up at most like 125. My PB at that point was 120. So I'm diving, I'm finning along and then the 100 metre point comes. I touch, turn and then I take a moment to check back in. And that's really important. You know, that taking a moment to go, hey, while I'm here, you know, going towards the goal and I might be able to see it, maybe I just need to check in with myself and make sure that I'm still feeling good for this. Do I need to pause? Do I need to stop? Do I need to come up? And I was really honest with myself and I'm like, I feel so good. This dive feels great. I'm okay. So let's keep going. And let's just put in a bit of extra work. And so I really stuck to that game plan. I kept going. I saw the 15 metre mark on the ground and I was like, I'm still feeling okay. So let's go to 125. And I saw a mark, but it was actually like a line before the 125 that I didn't know. So I saw it and I was like, this split decision, (laughs) a part of me, the very ambitious, driven ego part of me, which is not a bad thing, was like, let's keep going. Like you've got more in you. And then the other part was like, we said 125. And it was just this split decision of like, stick to the game plan, Amanda. So I came up, I did my surface protocol. It was excellent, super clean, really easy dive, big smile on my face. And I got my first white card. And the valuable lesson there for me was the importance sometimes of even when the opportunity arises to push that we don't always have to take it. It's 
very likely that if I continued for, say, an extra 10 metres, I would have been completely fine. But there's also a chance that perhaps if I'd continued for 10 metres that I may have been on the verge of hypoxia. Maybe it wouldn't have been so clean. Perhaps for me, from like a mental perspective, being able to come up and only need to do a couple of recovery breaths and feel really good and really confident, the boost that that dive gave me has been incredible. Like knowing that I've got so much more to give on that dive, that I've got so much more in me has been very positive and reinforcing um, my own belief within myself. So that was really good decision-making, Amanda. I'm stoked with myself for sticking to that. And feeling really good, celebrated that. And the next day was um, the statics. And I had a couple of, I had three warm-ups. And when I moved into the lane for my dive, I was told I only had three minutes before my dive. So straight away, I was like, oh, that's not enough time to fully relax. Like I actually had planned to have six minutes, but some of my warm-ups went over and, you know, got caught up. We just like lost a bit of time. So rather than kind of freaking out and worrying about it, I was like, all right, we stick to the game plan. Same thing. Three minutes is fine. It might be a little bit more challenging, uh, but you'll be okay. Like, you know that you've got this in you. So I did the dive and look, it wasn't, it wasn't the worst dive. It wasn't the best dive either. uh, But it certainly was not really, really challenging as I thought it would be. And it's less than what I'm capable of doing, but that's okay because it was really, again, about the game plan, which was three minutes, 30. And if I feel good, then just add on a few extra seconds. And so I ended up doing a three minute 37 hold. And the feeling of getting a second white card, again, reinforced my own abilities to myself and I guess if you kind of apply this to some bigger things you know realizing that we need a lot of positive reinforcement to remind ourselves of our abilities and what we're able to do positive feedback is extremely valuable to everyone particularly if it's to do something that you find challenging, um, particularly if it's an area where you want to push yourself. I think it's important to explore that comfort zone into discomfort and then, but reinforcing an ability to do that. You just don't need to take to a point where you have negative associations to things because ultimately that kind of sends your nervous system into a bit of chaos, you know, kind of freaks you out. And so that was my approach to the competition, which I'm stoked about. Something else actually that happened during the comp is uh, David, my partner, my partner's dad came to watch my dive on the first day. And it's funny how our childlike parts can come out at different points in time. And when David 
the day before he'd said to me, you know, my dad's going to be up in Brisbane. I'm going to have a chat with him on the phone and I'm pretty sure he's going to ask to come to see your dive. What do you think? And my child self, the one who always longed to have my parents a part of things with me was so overjoyed and I told him that I was like really that would make me so happy you know um my parents only ever came along to my year seven graduation and my year 12 graduation so I would often see a lot of my friends parents at school carnivals at some of the productions that we put on at assemblies at all of these things you know if we got merit certificates and stuff usually parents would come along and I just didn't have that Uh, my parents were working a lot also I don't think they were really interested and wanted to come along to things like that or parent teacher interviews and stuff and perhaps as an adult I maybe as a kid I kind of put that to a side because I knew that nothing would change and I accepted it and it was okay. But it's funny that at 33 years old, having a dad, well, my partner's dad, say that he wanted to come along and watch me, I really felt a deep sense of joy. And I could feel, you know, little Amanda, little kid Amanda being like, yay, I feel so supported. I feel loved through this. And it was such a great feeling to come up from my dive and to see him there because he just, he made it in to see me standing there preparing for my dive. So obviously he wasn't going to say anything. And he watched my entire dive and he came and I introduced him to some of our friends and stuff. And it was such a beautiful moment and a reminder that we're not meant to go through life alone. You know, we're not meant to have all of these achievements and this success on our own. We like to share them with people. We like having people support us and that's a normal thing. I think for so much of my life, I thought that I just needed to depend on myself to some degree. And I think a lot of people end up telling themselves that you know maybe we tell ourselves like I I don't really need anyone like I'll be fine I don't need support or encouragement from particular people but the truth is we're social creatures successes are so much more special when we get to share them with people who genuinely are rooting for our very best and it was a beautiful reminder of that through having David's dad there but also through the community that I'd met I met all these new divers and just seeing the way that everyone was encouraging one another was such a beautiful thing and I loved every bit of it it's been quite an experience that's just taken me up on a high so I'm stoked about that and these are just some of the lessons I guess I learned it's exciting for me because I will be joining more competitions the thing actually 
the thing that I learned, by the way, about myself and nerves, because actually that's what I wanted to know, right? I wanted to know, can I perform under pressure? See, I have always known where I can perform under pressure is like academically. I've often had times when, you know, deadlines are right there and I haven't worked on stuff. I was like quite bad at procrastinating certain projects if I didn't enjoy them and stuff. And I would leave them right until the last minute and they'd be due the next day. And somehow I would bust out a long um, essay or whatever it is that was due, I would bust it out in like six hours and get it done. C's get degrees. So I didn't really care about the grade. So I've always known that I can perform under pressure in that way. I know that I can perform under pressure when it's like a super tight window to make decisions and I just need to focus in and kind of go tunnel vision, dial into something and make shit happen. Like I think when a bunch of things are going wrong, I am someone who can go, all right, this is what we need to do. So I've known that. I think that comes from uh, growing up in a bit of a chaotic home and feeling an extreme sense of uh, obligation to make some quick calls when there's like conflict and some chaos going on in the house. So all of that, I suppose, like shaped, <laughs> shaped me so I'm able to make those decisions under pressure and stay really calm. It's like when my nervous system is, when my sympathetic nervous system is activated, I am able to think quite clearly, even if my heart rate's like really high and stuff. There's a certain level, there's a certain point where after that I might get a bit flustered, but for the most part, I'm all right, let's go. So yeah, what I did find out is in the comp, I'm actually able to perform under pressure pretty well. You know, it was just getting those nerves together, calming down, heart rate was a bit high, but for the most part, I was um, able to focus on the task at hand. And it looks like maybe I can get shit done after all, even when it's in a freediving comp environment. So yeah, that is a little bit about my experience and what I've learned. I hope that through sharing that with you that, I don't know, maybe it encourages you to try something like competitive freediving or competitive sports in some way. Let me know if it does. I'm excited to hear about that. This is definitely not my last competition. I am really stoked and excited to do another one. And just see how I go. And hopefully they all feel as good as this one. You know, good, clean, easy dives. I think that was a great approach. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and for listening. As always, you can listen to the show anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. If you are there, please rate and review the show. Please subscribe, hit the thumbs up button, all of the good stuff. You know what to do. I, oh, you can also follow the show, of course, on Instagram at self double underscore podcast and at Amanda Latran. That's Amanda L-E-T-R-A-N. I have a Patreon account if you want to, you know, give me some cash that way. Not. I mean, you, 
you don't have to, obviously, you will always be able to access the show for free. <laughs> it's not a problem. Yes, and that's really it. I release episodes every Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I will see you next week. Bye.